ATF boys, Aisha and Kane, back again. Aisha, how are you? Oh, very good. Good to be back in the office after coming out of lockdown. It is, it is. We're more productive now. Um, today we have a guest speaker, Israel Whitley from Auckland Labour Hire. How are you? Good, mate. Good. Thanks for uh, getting me on here. Good man, good man. Quickly, I just want to give a quick shout out to uh, Atomic Coffee. I think I've had about 10 today. It's only Sunday morning. So, um, supplying the coffees is always good. Issa, over to you. So, Izzy, just to keep things nice and light as we do on the Beyond the Field podcast, a couple of quick fire questions. First things that Ready. come to the top of your head. Nothing too controversial. Uh, your favourite holiday destination? Hawaii. Oh, it's a first <laughs> podcast. Uh, unlimited budget, what is your dream car? Porsche 911. Oh, Has to be. Yep. Yeah. Oh, what was your favourite or least favourite subject at school? I didn't have a favourite because I just sucked so bad at school. <laughs> so I, nothing came to my head straight then. <laughs> Love it. Um, have you ever sent a text message to the wrong person? Plenty of times. <laughs> With, I think anyway, uh, we ask yeah. that question a lot. No one has a name. Your favourite airline to travel on? In New Zealand. Oh, cool. And lastly, are you a good cook? Uh, I'd like to say so, but people who have probably cooked for will say absolutely not. So, cool. so then you I'm going to say yes. Yeah. What is your best? Dish? I can do probably the best sweet corn fritters in New Zealand. I reckon. Oh, yeah. love it! I like it. Yeah. Over to UK, mate. Let's um, before we get into your, um, I suppose your um, working journey or your business life. Um, let's personally profile you. Where did you grow up? Uh, grew up on the east coast of the North Island, um, good old Gizzy. Um, grew up there, born and bred. Um, went to McCaldy Primary, went to Gisborne Intermediate, then shot out to Lytton High School, or Retana, um, and then shot up to Westlake Boys at 16. So uh, came up there for year 12 and 13. And so then, what brought you to Auckland from uh, Football. So uh, that was always the dream. I remember seeing David Beckham when I was a young fella, and, and that stuck to me like glue, and, and I wanted to be the next one. Yeah. Probably didn't realise how far away from it I was when I moved up to Auckland, but uh, <laughs> but it got me there anyway. So that was the main part. So yeah, footy got me up here, football got me up here, and then um, yeah, I've been up here since. And Westlake uh, scholarship or just come from there? Oh uh, well, we came up on like uh, nah, it was kind of coming up on the own accord. Like we, I had to take the risk and, and came up here, and then they were really helpful with homestays and and sorting that kind of stuff out. Yeah. So uh, it's not a private school, so it was kind of like a it's a public, but yeah, there's a wait list to get in, and we managed to sort out getting to the top of that and stuff you made the transition by yourself? Yeah, just me. I um, I actually grew up in a really, really religious um, family, um, really strong Christian family. Um, so it was absolutely forbidden to, I guess at that time, like leave your house of the Lord, so leave, leave your church. Yep. Um, and I was one of four. Um, I was the youngest. I'm a little baby. Um, the old man was was super staunch on 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 the viewpoints of, of not not leaving. Um, so I actually did all the backroom discussing with the coaches and stuff from Westlake and everything and I just went to my old man and I said hey look um, I've been in touch with Robbo and, and Robbo's got in touch with me with Sykes I've actually got a trial up at Westlake um, you can either take me or I'm going to jump on a bus I said I'm done here and Gizzy I kind of need to get out of here yeah. and Do you remember that conversation? Oh man the scariest conversation I've ever had in my life At 16? At 16 um, and my, I remember my mum was sitting there on the lounge and she was just like kind of sums you up <laughs> and then I was like 
and then the old man was a bit staunch at the start but I just said look man I, I gotta do it I gotta get out of here I'm getting into trouble I'm failing school hardly at school um, and if I'm gonna ever get out of Gizzy it's gonna be now um, so yeah um, you know, it was that serious that kind of the old man had to talk to the granddad who was the pastor at the time to see whether they thought it was the right idea. Um, but I was going anyway. But anyway, got the nod kind of thing, and and then they ended up taking me up there. My old man took me up there from a football trial, and um, yeah, it was it was it was cool that we kind of did that together. Um, opposed to thinking I was just going to be out there on my own, and and I'd earned enough money leading up to that that I could kind of pay for my spending money, so I'll afford my spending money. So kind of packed my bag and, and didn't really look back and, and just went for it. <laughs> and although Gisborne has changed a lot, yeah. uh, it still is a fairly big move, right? Gisborne to Auckland. Oh, my school, we had um, 700 kids there in total. Um, I probably stuck out like a sore thumb. I think we had 82% Māori population, so there weren't too many uh, uh, white fellas there. So um, coming up there, leaving there... Um, going to Westlake Boys where there's two and a half thousand boys uh, was just like going to a new city like it was just madness I'd never been to like you don't have a mall in Gisborne and just everything was different so it was it was a huge lifestyle change um, but one that I really loved and and yeah had you been to Auckland before? been to Auckland been to Rainbow's End um, <laughs> been to Rainbow's End and that, that's a Disneyland for people outside of Auckland and New yeah. Zealand right and um, and I'll never forget we had to kind of from a kind of real humble background and, and upbringing dad was a caretaker at girls high so the income was never really too strong and I remember we had to go back um, place outside of a Podiki funeral bay had to shoot back and forth up there every other weekend to um, just do some kind of renovations to, to make some money so we could go and do those cool trips so kind of I knew the, the sacrifice to get up there and I kind of guess I just really appreciated being up there because I knew what it took to get us up there just for a holiday before that so Wow, interesting. Tell me your experience at Westlake. How best, was that? Best decision I've ever made in my life. I think it's something I'll always be so proud of doing um, and going there. And from the headmaster down was just something every young fella who's probably lacking a little bit of direction needed. And I think as long as I'm around, I'll love to be part of the old boys community and, and give and, and contribute when I can. And it's really fortunate to be asked to go and speak at the um, graduation dinner. And I still think today that was probably the proudest moment of my life. So, yeah, it was really cool. Well, it shows you come obviously a long way and come somewhere because we're from Portland uh, Grammar where early on you've got to find your place in the school. Mm. You know, so yeah. you've really got to understand who you are and your identity and find that mould. So, it takes coming from Gisborne. You know, yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I think even I had to have a certain haircut if I was at Westlake and my socks had to be pulled up and. It was like a free-for-all at my school in Gizzy, so yeah, it was a big change. But Just touching on Gizzy too, you've seen massive changes there. We're in the property side, yep. obviously seen a huge change, but you go back a bit? Or? Yeah, I, I go back as much as I can. Uh, I've got a little niece and, and two little nephews, so I always try and catch up with them as much as I can. And family's massive, family's a big part. That's kind of where I find I get a bit of an energy balance or yeah. a lift um, going and seeing the family. So I go back when I can, and uh, yeah, I guess I was lucky enough to get on the property market down there a couple of years ago. Yep. Um, and I've seen a bit of a growth in that. So, yeah, it's, it's cool to see it, it growing, and, and it is ever-growing, and um, I think there's, there's going to be a bit, bit going on there in the next kind of four to five years for sure. Um, apart from, um, obviously, business, which we'll get into, um, interests and hobbies outside? Um, I think a hobby is just, just keeping fit as, yeah. as much as I can. I've, I've got a dodgy ticker, so um, trying to make sure that that doesn't, 
tap out on me. <laughs> but in terms of dodging, you mean? Yeah. So I've, I've, um, I when I came up, well, long story short, when I came up for footy for football, I kept playing and then um, ended up having getting uh, a couple of heart attacks. Two, two heart attacks. Two heart attacks at twenty one, and yeah. then then being diagnosed with uh, cardiomyopathy. So which is. Uh, hypertrophic which is like an overtraining one um, you might have seen a bit of that with some of the boys that you played with um, you just get like a swollen heart to the point where it can't necessarily operate at, at, at a high capacity so no real risks day to day but if I kind of push the boat out a little bit too much I can definitely feel it and obviously you know you wanted to be a professional footballer was that that high up through Westlake um, well, I know you had two heart attacks by 21 but it pretty much puts a stop yeah, did stop in those tricks. To be honest, I didn't really like it. I and I didn't. I don't miss football at all. I um, going back to the upbringing. Really, my old man because they were so religious. He never had the chance to play national league because he had church on Sundays. Um, that was when Gisborne City were pretty good. Um, so to an extent, I guess he was trying to relive a little bit of his life through me. And it got to the point where I was playing it so much through him that I just didn't like it the thing I, I absolutely loved was winning and there was no better feeling that I got up until 21 than winning and that was the thing that really kept me going so um, yeah winning was a big part for sure and anything you do obviously you talk about uh, keeping fit and keeping healthy anything you do um, on top of that to obviously business owner control stress levels all this type of stuff um Oh, Jesus! Everyone talks about work-life balance. I don't really think there's too much of a thing. Um, <laughs> and you know, I don't want there to be a thing either. Like I love working as much as I can, and if I had another hour in a day, that would go to working too. And yeah. and people around me would know that that'd be the case as well. Yeah. Um, but for me, it's just finding an energy balance so I can get something that kind of brings me back up to level peggings. And whether that's an RPM class gun hurting myself out on a bike that doesn't move um, or you know just going for a run that's that's a big thing so I've heard you say hard work works yeah I'd like to think so um, so yeah no I'm a big fan of that that motto and, and, and in anything I can do I think if you can apply yourself to it that's that's the main thing so yeah I think keeping keeping little tasks or, or challenges for me is is, is really important um, but they're more longer term I've got a half Ironman I'm, I'm going to give a nudge in, at the Sunshine Coast in September wow. So, wow. but I've got to be really gradual with my training because of my heart so that's more like a one year kind of yeah. training thing so yeah that that's probably my balance or that that's what keeps me level yeah. level headed and keeps my stress knowing that I've got something to look forward to outside of it. Fantastic. And being driven, um, any superstitions or or um, habits that you have? Um I see I don't necessarily probably pick up on, on those things. The one thing maybe it's a superstition, maybe it's a habit. I hate knowing that people around me have more hours in the day so I make sure I'm the first to wake up and the last to go to sleep because if I'm getting another hour a day then people next to me I'm getting seven hours a week and getting a whole day a month so it all compounds so um, I'm like hyper competitive with myself I'm making sure I'm productive for as long as possible in a day and needing as little sleep as possible um, I guess it's a bit of a myth because science probably proves that wrong but as long as I can believe it and, and abide by it then let me it kind of thing. I think there's a lot of parents out there that'll say you can get to the point where you can think that sleep is overrated. <laughs> yeah. You can actually survive and function on fewer hours than what is recommended. Yeah, for sure. My, my girlfriend doesn't have isn't a big fan of it. That's for sure. But um, but she's kind of learned to live with it. <laughs> Fantastic. So moving on to I suppose um, you're finishing school. Um, what did you do once you finished school? Did you go study? Or? Um, I 
I actually came up to Westlake in year 12 didn't have level one so they were like oh we might have to put you back down <laughs> and I was like no nah, I don't really want to do that um, so I didn't actually get university entrance at high school yep. um, I don't even think I got level two um, so I couldn't go to uni um, so I ended up getting into a building apprenticeship which was um, which I loved like it was heaps of fun and I did that for, for three years and then uh, when I kind of got to 20 I was getting closer to 20 when you can kind of get into uni and you know just for being alive yeah. basically um, I kind of applied because I wanted to give football a go and I didn't really know what I wanted to do so I was like I'll do this whole business thing I'll try and get a National League contract um, and do a bit more coaching so I can kind of top up myself financially and, and then just see where see where things go and then half an oh half a year into that that's when the old ticker blew out so that was that kind of revenue stream kind of packed up and yeah, yeah it was kind of back to the drawing board on, on what I was going to do but no I did my apprenticeship for, for a few years and then got into uni at Massey up in Albany was there for three years but I think I only passed 12 papers so which is a year and a half so <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't actually allowed to go back for the next semester I had to go on um, academic like relief or something because I was probably bringing the grades down so badly so I will say and you hear it from all the top entrepreneurs and successful businessmen around the world and women a lot of them actually don't have um, a high level of education yeah it's the drive that they have in them and the passion they see of a vision yeah is what gets them I like if someone if I had to go into a company and someone said oh this is what your day has to look like this is what you've got to achieve and this is how you're going to achieve it I'd just sit there like a baby at sea like I'd have no idea um, when it comes to like direction and stuff like that it's um, you know and whether I've got a bloody few learning disabilities or under there I'm not too sure going back to it too like I always struggled reading and spelling growing up and but because our family was so religious um, the old man never went and got me tested despite the teachers asking to go and get tested for dyslexia ADHD because they're kind of like no it, you know it's a sin it's kind of brought on from the you know if we're going to give him it's just going to give him an excuse to say why he can't achieve so that was kind of always you know it's kind yeah. of like yeah so so no nah, ed- education definitely wasn't something that I was strong at. <laughs> so tell me, okay, so once you um, finished studying or got through that free to study, then what did you do from that? Um, well, six months before I, I finished studying, that's when I started up. Oh, actually a year before, a year and a bit before I started up um, ALH. Yep. And I was studying whilst I was doing ALH, and, and I thought if I can get five people out a day working a 40-hour week, that's going to financially facilitate my university, um, I can live a good life and, and happy days. And I got to that five, and I felt incredibly unsatisfied, and I was like, mm, I might give 10 a nudge. And then ended up getting to 10, and I was like, oh, this is like a drug. And then I was like, oh, I can get to 15. And then I got to 15, and I was like, oh, heck, uni's taking a bit of a blow more than anything. And then I thought, heck, if I could just get to 20, I reckon I could probably just sit there and finish uni. And I got to 20, and then uh, I got wind of a contract down in Wellington, which was kind of going to be a 12-man contract for three months. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have a go at that. And then we weren't in Wellington. We were hardly even in Auckland. And I rang up a guy who actually I'm now involved in, in another business with. I rang him up and I said, hey, mate, heard you're from Gizzy. I'm from Gizzy too. Um, I've got a labour hire company. We've just moved down to Wellington. I'd love to take this contract. You know, we're from Gizzy. Let's help each other out. 
and he said all right well the contract starts in two days I'll have to ring up Hayes and say no and I said yeah sweet done and then he said cool we'll consider it yours I need uh, I need 12 people there on Wednesday <laughs> and I was like wow I was like sweet rang up my mate Wellington I said dude you there he said yeah yeah cool so I was my best mate growing up from Gizzy his name's Kai we're still tight knitted and uh I said, man, I might need to come and crash on your couch for a while, eh? And he goes, oh, yeah, cool. So I went down there and then, um, yeah, the rest is kind of history. Jumped at it, ended up getting 12 people there. And then in um, a couple of days, kind of just went hard on the on the Facebook marketing, got it over the line and then ended up going down living with my mate Cam for about three months um, whilst trying to do uni in Auckland and, and then I got up to that 32 mark and then I was like oh what does 40 look like and then I got to 38 and I went to walk into my last exam and my marketing uh, lecturer was there and he said uh, how's, how's this business going I said you know what I've probably got a better chance going and taking some calls in the time of this exam than passing this exam I said so Simon I'm not going to go into this exam I said duh that's me done and I just shook his hand and I said thanks for everything I said because you and one other are the only people I ever took anything from in the way of education and he said all the best out there and then that was it and then yeah I guess I was, I was like a rat up a drain pipe for success and I was like oh what can I do and then that's when I had um, Sarah and Rob Fife there and I was bouncing some ideas and then it came to the point where Sarah ended up investing and then that was it again. I was like, oh, that's a bit more of a, you know, yeah, yeah. what's the next What's the next right, boundary look like? And then Sarah came on board and then six months later Rob came on board and then it was just like kind of haven't stopped and, and have no plans to. And was it happening that quickly? That it all, you're Mate, just in the day-to-day running, just in a, that, gritting it out? That quickly, I was, I was up at five o'clock to doing all the logistics of getting everywhere where they needed to be going to union mid-morning but probably the phone's still going nuts till 11 o'clock um, having a little bit of a break um, in the middle of the day trying to do some uni after and then um, from about 5pm till 10pm at night was just sorting the next day out so it was just yeah. flat tech but I loved that and, and that was a big part of it I, from from 12 and Gizzy um, I used to go and help dad mow the lawn so I'd get up I'd get up at 6 and then I'd go mow the lawns till 8 come home have a shower jump on the bike get to school um, come back after school 3.30 to 5.30 and then uh, shoot off to training so it was like always always like having a full calendar and yeah well I didn't have an option to even if I didn't want to work I had to because uh, the look I get from the old man was scarier than not turning up to work so yeah tell us this we'll strip it right back yeah. Auckland Labour Hire, give us a, a, a bit of a, a pitch as to what who you guys are and what you do. So we, we're a, I guess we're a temporary agency of, of sorting short-term and, and long-term kind of fixed-term contracts yeah. for our clients where they might not necessarily want to take on a fixed cost. Yeah. Um, and within that, a huge priority is just making sure that everyone feels super appreciated and respected for the work that they're doing. And that's from day one being my big priority, making sure that everyone knows how much we appreciate them, um, that it is actually really important what they're doing um, and, and that they're being looked after better than what else they can be looked after in the market, whether that's giving them ALH hoodies and T-shirts so they feel a part of our team and, and vice versa. Um, yeah, and, and, and just making sure that we can provide a cost-effective solution to, to clients who, who are needing temporary staff, whether that's in construction, to warehousing, to whatever. We're, we're diversifying 
as quickly as possible to get across every every area that that's available. I suppose with what's in COVID, you'll have a lot of people. Yeah, you'll, you'll expand to different areas. Yeah, and and we've already done that. We're we're with a tech company at the moment, like sewing some technology yeah. together, and it's so we yeah we're we're all over it, and yeah. and that's the cool part that we can offer kind of our on-site team opportunities to go and try different things it's not you're not just going and lugging jib up six floors or six flights of steps it's actually how can we help you develop yep. and, and how can we help you get the best return on your time investment yep. into into what you're doing on site any of the contractors that come on board do they ever turn into a full-time employee oh absolutely yeah for sure um our operations manager right now has done a little bit of labouring for us prior. Um, everyone who comes on in the office has to go on site and do days. So they have to. Um, that's the absolute bare minimum. So it's like if someone hasn't turned up, it's like get your boots on, get out there, don't forget what we're about. No one's above anyone. Even from our uniform, our on-site staff have the same uniform as we do um, in the office. So there's no, no, you know, there's no divide. We're all kind of a, a team. It's like that supermarket concept. If you want to buy a supermarket, you start from the shelf. Pack yeah, and yeah. All the way out. And and you know, we 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 love bringing people on permanently. It's it's awesome for us, and 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 uh, it, it's just a great chance to show that. For us to know that that we're we're doing our job right because people want to come on and and be with us for a long time. We've mm. we've got a guy called Jace who's been with us since literally like day dot. So and that's coming up four years now. And and he and he he's a man. So it's awesome seeing people kind of be a part of it for that's that awesome, long. Man. Early days. Did you see a gap in the market for this, or was it that we also sometimes hear from entrepreneurs that it's a bit of a luck that they fall into this? But how did you decide for right ALH? There's a hole for this. There's a place where I can create this because you you had a lot of other things going on in your life at the same time. Uh, I did no market research. I had no idea what gap there was in the market or wasn't in the market. Um, I just knew that my boss, when I was doing my apprenticeship, was making six bucks off an hour an hour off me. Yeah. And I thought, heck, if I can do that, then uh, I'm away laughing. So no idea. And I still try not to look at who our competitors are because I just want to focus on what we're doing. I've got an idea of what the market share looks like, um, and, and it's just about trying to take over that. But, yeah, no, no idea on what the gap looked like. Whatever, I just jumped straight in the deep end and, and started swimming as quickly as I could. <laughs> and tell me, are you still in other areas of old? Are you still in Wellington as well? Uh, today we're in Wellington and Christchurch, in Christchurch. Um, and, and Auckland, so yeah. Okay. And sometimes we shoot down to Gizzy. How yeah. about we did the, the, the Gizzy Airport, we did the labour supply, some of the labour high yeah. supply for uh, the Gizzy Airport, which was cool. So Have you seen an industry that you're involved in um, a certain sector uh, have a lot of growth in your time? Yeah, and it's and it's it's a I guess the labour hire, you know, perception is that it's a pretty scumbaggy kind of industry, and the people running it aren't necessarily doing the right thing. But what we've seen the growth in is more ethical companies starting to rise up and 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 shine through, where the the guys who are generally just tuning out hours and putting bodies on site, they're getting left behind from from people who are actually caring. So that's probably the big change I've seen in the market. Yeah, like you, I've I've heard of you know smaller companies around the place that probably don't do things ethically and mm. probably don't have a reason around why they actually want to do it. And you know maybe as you say they just disappear. But you know when you feel uh, if you're employed and you feel encouraged and you feel self worth to carry on, they're just going to continue coming back. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. For the listeners, 
What is your, being a business owner and being obviously super busy, what is your day to day? Um, so my first alarm goes off at quarter to five. Um, so I try and get the eyes blinking at, at quarter to five, four forty-five. Uh, I'll give myself kind of fifteen minutes to get with it and start trying to do a bit of current affairs and seeing what's happening, um, and start catching up on some emails. I've got some overflow. I'm gonna get up and, and go for a run or do some exercise. Come home, scrub up, get a little bit of food in me, and then I try not to have too much hours in the office because that's not where I'm most productive but I'll probably shoot out the door get to the office at 7 o'clock or, or just before um, get in the office around 7.30 and go about my day and, and kind of get my, my tick list and, and hit list sorted um, leave the office around 5, 5.30 um, get home, have some food and then try and spend some quality time with the old girlfriend and, and, <laughs> and give her what I can until then and then after after dinner it's, it's straight back into work and, and probably till 10, 10, 30, then I'll try and shut the shut the screens. Yeah. Doesn't necessarily happen till about eleven, and then yeah, try and try and get two hours sleep before before midnight. So that that's kind of the day. Are you good at switching off at night then? Absolutely not. <laughs> Haven't mastered it. Don't think I will. Don't know if I want to right now either. Yeah. It's kind of you're getting by. Oh, you should learn how to. I'm like, I don't want to. Like I'm, I love it. <laughs> Yeah. It's funny, like, if I'm resonating with us, we get pulled every angle during the day, right? But clients and what we're dealing with and whatever it is, at night I find when my little one goes down is the calm time and you yep. can actually focus a lot more and do a lot of, um, I suppose, the paperwork that you need to catch up on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Quite, yeah. quite productive. Yeah, for sure. Um, biggest learnings to date, being a business owner, is there one moment or is there certain things you think what I've really learned I think you know I get it too like and I've been in this industry for 10 plus years but I'll have a moment where I'm like ah okay that, that defines me a little bit in this yeah. career now got it. Um, bad hires uh, yeah. bad hires internally um, and you have a gut do you sometimes have a gut feel like oh, I'll go with it but I'm not too sure well because like we're planning on 100% revenue growth per year like and we are like really just trying to go for it anyone that showed me interest I guess at the start I would be like yep you're in boom let's go jump you know get get amongst it we had one we had a higher go the wrong way and I just thought shit I'm never going to get that time back yeah. <laughs> to the point where it's like I look back and I'm like I was actually probably spending 40 hours a week just on energy towards this guy and but then then when it you know I don't take anything personally but I probably wouldn't say hi to the guy if I walked past him in the street just because I was like that was so disruptive and geez, he just sucked it out of me and you know I'm trying to be as high energy and positive as possible when you got people coming in there trying to rip your jugular out it's and whether it's a teacher I don't think it is intentional but it still happened, and and I just think shit. I, don't, I won't get those eight to twelve weeks back. Um, but yeah, so so bad highs, and and that's kind of why you know I get a bit of a smack from the old shareholders saying, "Man, you suck at recruiting your internal staff. You've got fifty percent of them right, and then you've got fifty percent of them wrong. We need to get someone else to do it." So, so is ALH big on culture? Massive. Um, I only want people in our company who are high achievers and want to consistently grow um, and the the question that I will decide whether I'm going to hire that person or not internally is what success looks like to them 
and if and if it's not the answer I'm looking for, they could have had a stellar interview and, a, and stellar references. But if they can't answer that yeah. to the standard that I think's required, then it's not worth going forward from there because it's it's high drive, high energy, yeah. uh, high output, um, but high reward in our yeah. environment for sure, and and that's a big part of it. And is your leadership style, you know, follow me, do what I'm doing, not what I'm, or is it more sort of voice? voicing over to these to your um, staff? I think my leadership changes probably every month and, and I think that's something I really need to make sure I'm agile with and not stubborn and that's the hard part being a young fella thinking that's my way you know it's got me here but that's not the case so at the start it was leading by example this is how I did it so you can do it but then we kind of took the risk to remove me from the day to day runnings and start focusing a bit more on the 6 month and the 12 month plan How did that feel? Man, that was hard, right? Like, that was real hard. Um, kind of letting go of my baby, really. I was like, all right, well, you hold on to my firstborn um, and and you nurture it, but I'll look and see how you're tracking with it. So it was really hard, but but it was a transition that, that I look back on now and, and happy that we did it at that time. I'd much rather give someone responsibility and see them be brave and make mistakes and then come to me with a problem and solutions to those problems opposed to me saying, hey, you're doing this wrong. Um, and that's a big part of it. So I think I've done I've done enough within the company for anyone coming on board to know how I operate. And I think from my energy and expectations of myself, that's where I lead from example. Um, but other than that, it's, you know, you guys go out there and, and become the best versions of yourself, and I'd love to get around it. You know, the self-awareness around leadership to one give someone the responsibility of mm. making decisions and if they make a mistake not squashing them because they're never going to make a decision again yeah. so you've got to be really wary around that I guess that's exactly it and, and the, you know the, the number one rule in our office is if, if there's a problem my door's always open you've got to come to me and address it put it on the table but don't bring it to me if you don't have solutions to it because then I'm just <coughs> being your problem solver if I have to come and find out about it, then we have to navigate it a little bit differently, and, and that's not the best way to do it because realistically, I, I want everyone to be accountable for their own actions and, and making sure that they they can have eyes wherever they are and how we can best kind of avoid that scenario happening again is the main part. So definitely defines a culture. Yeah, like yeah. As a company, you don't need stuff coming in the back door and finding out that someone's been trying to hide under the mat. Yeah, well, that's it, and and from you know. With the with the mentors that I've had, it's I've never been. This is this is what you should do. It's always been like I've almost just been like a hamster in a wheel, hundred miles an hour, slipped out, smashed into the wall a couple of times, but jumped straight back in. And it's almost just redirecting every time I've made that mistake to not make it again. And provided we're not making the same mistakes, and I'm I'm happy with with dealing with with problems. Yeah. On that, any influential role models along this journey? Yep, um, definitely uh, the big brother and 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 the sisters. Got two sisters. Uh, the big sisters been 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 really helpful too. Um, big brother keeps me banjo. His name is it's not his real name, but um, <laughs> and I won't tell you the story as to why he's called that. Uh, but um, but nah, um, banjo keeps me me pretty honest about what I'm about, um, and he'll pull me up on something whether you know he thinks I'm probably leading this trade because. I never like to do the easy route, and I don't think I ever do. But if there's, if he ever gets a glimpse of it, he'll uh, bounce me back into line pretty quickly. Um, and the older sister's always just kind of been there in the in the back room, and and mum and the young, younger sister have always been really helpful and supportive. Um, but in in like a business environment, uh, Rob, Rob and Sarah Fife have been next to none. I'd 
kind of always feel like I'll be in debt to them off what I've just learned from even just being around them it's not actually so much picking their brains but just seeing the way they conduct themselves um, great Oh, it's and that that kind of like my Auckland family too. It's you know I'll go around there for for dinners and stuff, and and um, Sarah's got two young girls, so it's almost like I've got two little sisters here. So I get a family balance there. Um, but yeah, in a business context, um, having Sarah and Rob there to, to bounce things off and and actually just stand by them and, and see how they walk and carry themselves, I've learned just as much off that opposed to picking their brains about things. So yeah, interesting. So in terms of I suppose we're involved in finance, we're touching on the business finance side. When you first started, were you like, right, I need X amount of capital <laughs> in my back pocket? Obviously, you were saying you've done it on a limit a little yeah. bit, but God, I need X amount of capital, start a website, get on this. Was there anything of those you were going through, or was it just like, nah, Not, throw it nothing? Nothing. We'll go for it. I got 500 bucks um, when I had to stop playing footy because that was what I had been in owing for that month. And that's what I started up the company with. And I just had seven-day invoice terms and I would be on the phone to those clients saying, I need this money so then I can pay my guys. So I had no capital. I had $500. Um, I had a $700 Toyota Passio, which I'd park in the next block before I'd go into a meeting. Um, I had to, you know, half of that 500 bucks was to go and put money down to get a work phone. Um, so it was really kind of, you know, on a on a... On a really going out on a limb kind of stuff and I think it's that that's kind of kept me pretty true to, to what we're about I think everyone gets this false perception too you have a business no one knows about it they think you're stacked it's like oh heck this, this young kid's absolutely minted and yeah. it's like mate you could understand the hard graph the grind I, and the cash flow like, I, I didn't pay myself for 18 months yeah. I was on study link yeah. <laughs> you know $224 yeah. and that was you know and, and that was still hardly covering it and then when I did start paying myself, I was on thirty-seven grand a year for the first year, and I and I still don't pay myself much. It, there's three people in the office who get more than me, um, but I want that to be the case. I want them to know that that they're more important to to this than I am, and and let them feel that it's like you know we're not lying in my pockets. What what's what could help me will be on the horizon, but that's not right now. So so let's just. Roll up and, and really get going for it. You've got the right attitude. You've got the attitude to go, I'm going to build this business mm. and if one day I can t- step, take it mm. out of it and it continues to make a profit. Well, well, my luxury growing up was, you know, we'd get a fresh white, we get fresh white bread. Um, on a on a on a Thursday morning because Dad would get paid on a on a Wednesday fortnight, and then we'd have Coke, and that was it. If I could have a nice peanut butter Sammy with fresh bread and some Coke, that was my luxury. So, and that's probably not changed apart from now it's Coke Zero. But um, <laughs> but honestly, like you know, and I think growing up how I did, I didn't have any expectations of of what it actually looks like being on being in some some big hit of salary. So I've got. I'm, I guess I'm I'm not too rushed on, on when that comes. I know later on in life, if I play my cards right, I'll, I'll be doing all right. But you've got a mature mature head on your shoulders there. Because how old are you? 25. 20, 26 in September. I'm feeling like I'm going on 46, but it's uh, it's all good. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's interesting. We get it all the time. Where we'll see people and. They're thinking about buying a business or whatever, mm. finance and all that. So, what do you want to get? We don't really know yet. Mm. Okay. And they're like, well, like, so why are you doing this? Oh, well, you know, 
if you're on your own business and have your own hours, I'm thinking, wow. I wish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you got you got to know what you're getting yourself into. Um, anything, <laughs> have you gone into any uh, any debt along the way? Um, to, for growth or to keep sustainable nothing no business lines nothing like that we've got a overdraft facility yeah. um, but we've very really tap into that um, like I said not paying myself for 18 months was probably the best thing and we got I, when I sold some of the equity um, we, that gave us enough working capital to, to really get going yeah. um, which is great and if we ever do run into cash flow problems we've, we've kind of got the infrastructure around us to do it but yeah, look, we've 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 always had a facility. Um, I could probably count on one hand how many times we've had to tap into it. But that just goes to for hard work from everyone in the company chasing up debts, chasing up everything. We work as a collective unit to know how we're tracking, and and that's a big part of it. So yeah, in terms of that, no, it was. Yeah, I think I've when I did the facility, you obviously got to have to do a PG and stuff like that. You got to do personal guarantee, so it's a bit scary. But I did what I had to. Um, so yeah. I'm going to go on a whim here. Yeah. <laughs> Coming from professional sports, financial financial literacy along the way. Have any? None. Um, education, well, financial education? Nah, not at all. I um, I started to like learn a lot and really, I think the the best thing when I started to remove myself from the day to day stuff. I could almost designate myself to be a CFO for three months and then be a CEO for three months and then be an operations manager for three months. And the last eight months, um, I've probably been like more of a CFO mindset. How can we refine our margins? What's our cash flow? What's our strategy? How do we do this? And and I've had some help from some really, really you know, helpful and, and successful people to the point where we've got a clear cash flow and strategy to 2023. Yeah. And that's that's how we're operating and, and that's how we do. And, and learning that um, to then be able to just go and chop and change and say, hey, look, actually COVID's kind of kneecapped us a little bit, but this is our 12-week strategy and then we're going to get back to the normal one. Um, being able to be agile with strategy and, and finance is, has been incredible and, and that's kind of all I needed. We... You know, if we don't actually have a bank manager, so if I have to call up and get a, something, I have to wait in the wait line. So we we don't pay any bank fees because we don't have many facilities. So it's um, quite frustrating, but we'd rather it that way. So yeah, there's, there's I just people around me are always happy to hear from me because yeah. they know that if I'm asking them something, they know that I'm going to go straight away and, and yeah. be be proactive to, to solving that, and I'm not just wasting time. It's interesting because um, you you had to. I mean, being a business owner, you throw yourself in the deep end, mm. especially when it's just you starting out. So you had to have a crash course, eh? And yeah. And just learn as you went real quick. Hundred percent. Your outgoings are X. Yeah. Your income's only Y. Yeah. There's issues, right? And and doing that and, and sorting out a out a out a fixed cost model and being able to be agile on it. And I think when we went into this within seventy two hours of the COVID lockdown proposal and, and it happening from the government we had a clear strategy, we knew exactly where we were at, we knew exactly what we had to do we knew what our running costs were going to be for the next two months and then we would we had some pivot points from there on in, so I always run three scenarios, I've got a non-functional, functional and optimal um, and there's always there's always uh, an off ramp to go on either one of those at, at any stage So Nice, and in terms of what we do in property finance, you mentioned earlier you have a property in Gizzy? Yep Yep um, Tell us a little bit about that when you purchased it. How you how you felt about that process because it is very we we understand it's very daunting for a lot. Yeah, of people. Um, my sister rang me up and was like, "Hey, there's an apartment 
and Gizzy, um, do you want to have a nudge at it? I was like, yeah, go on then. And then she ran back the next day, obviously, oh, how much you want to go up to? And I said, oh, you know, you do it. And then ran back the next day, said, oh, we got it. And I was like, I like it. <laughs> and then rented it out. And then uh, six months later, hey, is another one's come available. Floor up, a little bit down to the right. And how much you want to go up to? Oh, this. Cool. Next day, sweet, we got it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why she's super helpful. She kind of almost like looks after the stuff that's not so you know she she she's massive for me so I have to worry about that and kind of her facilitate that stuff she's almost like my my you know my Mibbleman facilities manager or whatever you'd want to call it and, and she loves playing that role and, and you know when I can help out with her it's great to be able to too so and have you got aspirations to build more of a property portfolio outside of what you do or the, the interesting thing for me is the people I'm surrounded with and the mentors that, that I'm with have do not have their wealth with property yeah. um, only one person does yeah. um, so I'm always hesitant going into areas which I have no idea about. Right now, it's let's just go balls to the wall till I'm 30 years old and, and see where I end up and then seeing if I've got some excess capital to, to allocate to different areas. I'm not really in a rush. I am kind of just want to give this a go and, and get ALH and, and, and the other business a, a real nudge to see where we get to and, and then who knows, there might be another business that pops up next year and just got to be, be able to think on my feet and move pretty quickly. But, yeah, I think... I think the thing with property investments opposed to shares, you know, I have a dabble on the old sharesies app and stuff, but I think with property you can go in and touch it, right? You know it's there and it's not going to move. <laughs> and also, too, before he said jumps on COVID, because I know he's wanting to ask around that, but um, it's a tangible feel for them. Um, but also, too, maybe for you, you might need to be able to liquidate. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 for sure. Expansion or whatever. Yeah. But it might be you guys do something in the commercial space to buy your own. Well, that's exactly it. And, and I think, you know... From from where I see properties, relatively low risk in, in terms of other stuff, and I think up until thirty, I'm I'm high risk, high reward, right? So it's kind of I'm I'm happy to risk my personal money, um, in a in an environment where it's going to have potential higher higher rewards. But yeah, I think the cool thing having the apartments in Gizzy is that it gives me a bit of security on that. And if if there was a point where you need to drop and swap and move a couple of things, you could do it pretty quickly. So. COVID nineteen, it's, it's affected every single person on the planet. Um, how did it affect, say, yourself and your workers? Um, we got the subsidy, which was which was incredible. Um, helped a lot of people. Um, how's it affected our work? Not really too much. Um, I've I made it like a priority of mine to be incredibly proactive with my communication with everyone. So there was never any hesitation. It was look, this is our plan. You're all keeping your jobs because of this, um, but we need to be we need to trust in the process and trust in me, and we'll be out of it. Happy day. So we're up to kind of forty percent capacity already, and 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 revenue. Um, which is great, and and that's credit to everyone's everyone's hard work. It's kind of you know it is what it is, and it didn't really affect us too much. I don't think it's obviously on the mentality, a bit of anxiety, a bit of that, a bit of this. But everyone adapted really quick. Everyone adapted really quick, and and it's really good to know who's who's in your corner at that time because some people could sink their teeth in and, and be pricks, quite honestly, if they wanted to. But yeah. to know that they didn't because they know that you know the best interests is 
is, is at heart then, then that's the main thing and, and I think that's a cool thing to look back and think shit I've, I've kind of been a straight shooter and, and how my integrity throughout to go to these times where people can you know be happy to jump on, on board and jump on the trailer and, and let me drive us through it so well, I think you being an SME you've probably got more intimate um, with your staff mm. and being a big corporate where yeah for sure they're a bit more cutthroat and they're not really care around the individuals yeah 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 that helps everybody and, and being being able to be agile on our fixed costs was you know within within like I said three days we we pulled all our costs down to a third so I was pretty happy to, to ride the storm and, and then pick up an essential at the same time which was um yeah, you know, I'd like to think the hardy work, the lucky you get, and we we got pretty lucky on that that account. Awesome, awesome. Can I just touch briefly? Uh, public speaking. <laughs> How does that go about? Man, it's it's something that that I'd punch myself for sometimes, and something that that I enjoy. Um, I think um, I did a I did a TED did talk. TED talk. Um, Seen the TED talk. How man, about? was it nervous? Were you nervous? I was so nervous. Um, I did an article when I was still at uni and it eventuated to being contacted from people at the TED um, organisation to then get in touch with me about doing it and um, ended up doing it. I got to the last week and I said to them, I said, look guys, I, I don't have this in my back pocket. I'm way worse than anyone up there that we've been doing. So we had to do heaps of practicing. We had to do like two sessions a week over a 12-week period. And I was busy as trying to get things going. And then I was like, oh, I'm so unprepared here. And then I went around to Sarah's and I said, look, can I just do this in front of you? And she said, and I started reading and she just grabbed the paper out of my hand. She goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm reading you my speech that I've got to do this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> in front of a thousand people and she goes stop being a dick just put bullet points that's what you do and I said cool did it and then yeah the rest was kind of history and then I um, I did that but I felt really exposed for like eight weeks after my old man committed suicide when I was 20 and then had the heart attack kind of 21 everyone you know well not everyone but within your circle Auckland's a small a lot smaller than people think so you you know the week after you're in, I was in long room probably a few too many beers in you've got people coming up and trying to talk to you about you know old man's suicide and you're like yeah, I'm just trying to have a night out with the lads and yeah. forget about it really and then you know you're like alright well that only would happen once and then you go out the next week and it actually takes the shine off it a lot and and I probably went into to my to a little corner most weekends for a while just, just so you can kind of build up the confidence to counteract that when you think you're doing a good thing but then you are you're putting yourself on a platform so people can come and talk to you about it but if I knew that that was the case I was probably a little bit young for it um, if I thought about it and then you do I do stuff now but I, I probably only do 10% of the stuff I get engaged to do and that's it and and the other stuff I, I don't want to know about A I don't want to have a false perception that I'm that people think that you're absolutely killing it because we still have a long way to go um, and you don't want to be that dickhead who's doing too much stuff and, and you're talking more than you're walking so well, maybe when you're 31 10 you're doing <laughs> TED talk you'll do another TED talk and recap on the last 10 years and see how far you've grown here we go but um, yeah look probably speaking it's cool man I, I do I do some stuff I've, I've recently signed up with celebrity speakers so I'll do a little bit of that stuff but but that's that's more on a um, 
kind of getting a bit more of our business out there. And and, and if my story can help anyone, um, one person a year, then then I guess I need to swallow it up and, and toughen up a little bit and just, just put the head down and, and keep moving forward. But definitely at the time, um, what, a couple of, maybe a year and a half ago, it was probably a bit too soon and, and the backlash was in a time and it was in a time frame when it was happening when I was out and about trying to have fun and it was the quick yeah even you know you go in the morning it's like you go into the gym someone would pull you up and say oh mate you saw that it's like oh yeah great it's like even in the weekend last weekend just gone I went to my friend's drinks and I hadn't met a few of the lads and one of the boys spoke to me about it and you're kind of like, oh, heck, you know. It's pretty deep, pretty quick. Oh, Heineken in my hand. Can we just talk about the Heineken? How great does it taste tonight? You know. Yeah. But it's part of it, man. And I, I wouldn't change it. You wouldn't change it. But I would have probably a little bit too soon. But happy doing it moving forward. So, to get Dan to round things off, what legacy do you leave in yourself? Oh, Jesus. I saw that. Legacy I to man, I just want... To people who come into my circle, um, to feel like I'm a, I've been a positive influence, I think, um, and people who've come in and will work with me, beside me in, in ALH and whatever companies, to know that um, they've developed themselves more than they would have through someone else. So, provided they've they've got growth opportunities, and and probably the other one is is it's my rule. 2080 is my magic number. That's 40 hours a, a week over 52 years of. If you can do 2,080 hours more than the other guy a year, so if you can do 80 hours a week, then then you're going to get ahead a little bit sooner. So that's what I always tell my mates or people around me: you got to be prepared to do a little bit more because then their six years equals my three years, and just having that healthy competition is, is always a big thing. Love it. Love it. Over the deep stuff, back into the light stuff. A couple of quickfire questions round this out. You're just about to get into a fight. Who is the artist, or what is your fight song? Oh, uh, what's the artist? Jeez, stump me on that one. Have to be some house music. I don't even know what it is, but it'd have to be something like that. And I enjoy a bit of house music. Uh, do you do any mean impersonations? I won't ask you to do them. Oh no, my acting is so below par. Um, I don't even like to think about doing them. To be fair, I'd be that bad. <laughs> uh, do you believe things happen for a reason? Absolutely. Yep. And lastly, would you rather sprint at a hundred kilometres an hour or fly at one kilometre an hour? Sprint, full tip, go, go, go. <laughs> Israel, mate, I, I'm first time we've met, and I actually feel like I've known you longer than that. It's incredible, and for your age and what you're doing, mate, and your background and your story. From me, awesome, yeah. absolutely awesome. Always good to catch up and, and, and talk with, I guess, like minded people and, and get some things out of it, yeah, for sure. So, Auckland Labour Hire. Listeners, where can they find you? How can they follow you? What social platforms? What are you guys doing? How can people reach out? I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. People who might already have me on there will probably know that. Um, so, yeah, we've got ALH on, on LinkedIn, on, on Facebook, and, and on Instagram. So, um, don't worry about coming after me personally, but look after the, the stuff on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, and it's it's all about, about ALH and, and making sure that, that that's the it's a focus and the priority and fantastic all the listeners out there keep an eye out for ALH and Israel at least got big things on the horizon I think and uh, as a fine young man I'm 10 years old 11 years old senior now so unless you're a bit older than that maybe 8 or 9 <laughs> <laughs> but um, guys if you've got any questions on the podcast um, or anything on property and finance obviously get in touch on our social platforms um, through our advisory company moneyempire.co.nz um, and keep the fight going 
um, COVID uh, in terms of lockdowns done, but there's a lot of work to be done in the next 12 months from individuals and companies. So um, let's stay strong and, and keep New Zealand going. So as well. Awesome, Jess, and I think uh, look appreciate what you guys are doing. I think it's a good time for you guys to be doing and giving the advice and, and consulting that you guys are at this time. Good man.